Hello, welcome to Helen Talks Who. Today I'm talking about Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel, the 2006 uh, Cybermen story. Um, disclaimer to start the episode, um, this story is not one of my favourites. Um, there are, you know, there, there are a few Doctor Who stories that aren't, uh, you know, um, ones that I would choose to watch over and over again but having said that um I still really enjoyed watching it um you know any Doctor Who story is a good hour or so of television um and there there are quite a few moments that I I thought thought were good that I'm going to talk about um so let's start off the episode with some uh positive stuff um the Doctor's confront the villain speech is a highlight of the episode for me. Both the, like, starting off bit where he's, um, you know, saying, uh, pointing out the flaws in Lumic creating the Cybermen and, and sort of ranting about the Cybermen and then kind of shifting to actually this speech is all just, like, an artifice because... I know that Mickey's probably watching me and, 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 and he's going to be able to get me the information I need to actually be able to defeat the uh, Cybermen. Um, but it's a really, it, it's a really good one. In, the, in this two-parter, actually, I feel like the Tenth Doctor has sort of, um, I don't know, settled into being sort of quintessential Tenth Doctor characterization. I don't know if it's because we've had a couple of sort of not quite so typical episodes with school reunion and girl in the fireplace and this one's sort of more um standard doctor who but yeah this uh the scenes with the 10th doctor and feel like yeah quintessential 10th doctor um and all of the character-based stuff through this episode is absolutely solid. I'm going to talk a little bit more about um, the stuff with Rose and her family and the stuff with Mickey, but even like the minor characters, um, Mr. Crane, really nice minor character of having the henchman, henchman who turns against the villain. Um, and it's a nicely done, because obviously that's a bit of a trope, but it's an, it, it, it's a nicely done trope and, 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 um, yeah, I, I, I liked that character. I thought I thought it was good. Um, the the only character based bit that doesn't uh quite work for me personally is um Lumix's kind of true motivation for doing this, cause it does. So it says that like the reason he started looking at the Cybermen is as a survival plan because he was dying. But if you were doing something like that as a survival plan you're not going to end up with the Cybermen without something going, um, like, wrong or without, you know, having some deeper motivation. Whether, I don't know, may, maybe it is just the, maybe it is the power and, 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 and that kind of thing that goes to his head. But for me, it doesn't quite, um, it, it doesn't quite dig into exactly how Lumit got from, you know, wanting a survival plan to creating a race of um, cybernetic beings that 
can't feel emotion. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, that's quite a distance to bridge. And uh, yeah, it doesn't quite dig into that enough for me. Um, so let's talk about a few uh, sort of broad sections. The first thing I want to consider is... Um, this is obviously a two-parter. Um, I watched it all in one sit- sitting, but I do always like considering why a story is a two-parter because sometimes, you know, you've got different stuff going on in episode one versus episode two. Um, sometimes it's the size of the concept. Uh, for this one, I can see what they're trying to do because in episode one, you know, they land in a parallel universe. We get to play around with that idea of parallel selves for most of the episode until the Cybermen um, show up. You know, we have the Cybermen just being menacing, but we're mainly sort of exploring the parallel universe stuff. Um, and then in episode two, we get, right, let's infiltrate the factory and defeat the Cybermen um, plot. So they're trying to do two different things. Um, I don't know, it doesn't... It doesn't fully um kind of manage that i don't know if it's because the setting in the first episode feels like very similar to the setting in the second one even though it's not hmm not quite sure where where my thread was um thread was going there um one thing one thing that i do think though is the cliffhanger obviously always a key part of dot two two parters and this one is a little bit lackluster um like the backed into a corner bit was good they were looking really really scared and then you know 30 seconds into the into the next episode the doctor just blasts them with something um which given how scared he was looking at the end of the first episode is um yeah not entirely convincing um I would like to restate, like, just because I'm looking at, like, this story with a slightly more critical eye doesn't mean that I didn't thoroughly enjoy it and doesn't mean that I wouldn't choose to, you know, watch this Doctor Who story over, over you know, other <laughs> other TV and stuff. Um, I, I would just like to emphasize that next topic um this episode introduces the cybermen um it was the first cybermen cyberman story that i'd seen i can't remember um i I can't remember if i knew about the cybermen prior to watching this uh certainly not the first time um by the time I came to like rewatch it once I'd sort of become a bit more of a fan of um of Dot Two, I was sort of more aware that they were a concept that used to exist. And this is one of the things that always kind of put me off this story in the past, is that you've got this like conflicting origin story for the Cybermen. Um I, I don't know, it, it, it's an issue I always had with, like, Greek and Roman mythology when I was a kid as well. I didn't like the fact that there were multiple versions. Um, I couldn't get my head around it. I have, obviously, uh, you know, 
I am an adult now. I understand stuff better, so that doesn't bother me so much. But with the Cybermen, it took me until um, the 12th Doctor's last story, World Enough and Time, it took me until then to fully get the concept, get the concept that they're trying to get across here, which is that Cybermen as an idea keeps cropping up, that if, you know, people have mortal bodies, eventually they're going to think about how do we, uh, how, how do we stop um, being mortal, how do we persist, and part of that, or one, one way that can happen is, is to go the emotion suppression route and, and, and uh, do you get the Cybermen. Um, for this Cyberman story in particular, it's not doing any anything that's particularly new or different with the Cyberman concept, which, you know, fair enough. It's the first Cyberman story for new Doctor Who. It, you know, it is the first one, first one I saw, and it does need to introduce, you know, certain tenants of the, of the, uh, of the Cyberman. Um, and it does it well. It does that job well. Um, in particular, the scene where the Doctor and Mrs. Moore uh, disable the Cyberman and figure out the thing about the emotional inhibitor. That, that, that's a really good scene and it really, like, it's a really good way of introducing um, exactly what the Cybermen are because they're not just, you know, robots. They, they do have this very good concept behind them. But yeah, I don't know if it's with the benefit of hindsight, but the fact that this is quite a standard Cyberman story, it 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 does negatively affect my view of it. Like it can't it can't not. Having said that, let's move on to the next topic, which is the fact that this these episodes are set in a parallel universe. Cause this this aspect of the story really works. Um, yeah, really works. Um, I'm gonna start off though talking about the kind of the differences between the parallel universe and our universe because there, there are a few bits where it's it's clearly meant to indicate oh yeah this world is like slightly more futuristic maybe the branching point you know has been stuff that has meant that we've developed more futuristic technology but the hilarious thing for me watching in 2022 is the fact that um yeah the kind of stuff they're talking about kind of sort of exists now when it didn't back in 2006 uh the the first thing that made me sort of like um sit up straight and go oh shit yeah uh was the moving adverts um, obviously, like, they're, do they're slightly more holographic, but, you know, we do have moving adverts now, and those really didn't exist back in 2006. The closest you got were the ones where the, uh, where there were two adverts on, you know, uh, you know when it's, like, the posters are sort of wrapped around each other, so you can, like, pull the poster down and it becomes the second advert, um, but, yeah, obviously those are very very commonplace now and um, so the fact that that's meant to be the signal for a slightly more technologically advanced world I just find I, I just find really funny um in a like you know lovely nostalgic and charming way 
Um, and also, like, the daily download. I mean, we don't have... We don't really have, like, the download direct to our brains yet, obviously. But, like, 2006 was very early days for social media. Um, and, yeah, so there's elements there where it's, like, yeah, it, it kind of works. And, and it works because it's obviously meant to be, like, it's meant to be a contemporary parallel world. It's not meant to be, like, 20 or 30 years ahead. So it's, like, it's just enough ahead that... um that yeah we do actually have the stuff now which um yeah good prediction works i love i love that thing where you see what science fiction thinks will happen in 20 30 40 years time and it tells you more about what people are thinking about right right then because yeah um yeah very neat um but the main reason we have the parallel universe is it it bolsters the uh, the character stuff, and the character stuff is like like I mentioned before. I really enjoyed it, and that's especially the Rose with her family aspect because we're seeing you know kind of another take on the Father's Day stuff that we saw last series, um, and obviously watching with again with the benefit of hindsight, like you can see some of the pieces with regard to the parallel universe has been sort of moved into place to sort of give Rose a kind of semi-happy ending at the end of the series. Um, but putting that part of my brain aside, like, yeah, the Rose and, and her family part is great. One thing that jumped out to me regarding to this is um, the Tenth Doctor's uh, He's Not Your Dad speech to Rose near the start of the first episode he kind of comes across as less sympathetic than the ninth doctor was um which surprised me because i always have in my head that like the ninth doctor kind of is a bit more abrasive and then the tenth doctor he sort of um understands human emotions a little bit more and actually i'm not sure that's the case uh just 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 looking at that i think uh i think i've misremembered that a little bit but i mean you could think because because the the tenth doctor's speech there is entirely justified. Like we know what happened last time. Rose just wanted to see him, um. So it is entirely justified. So maybe he's thinking, well, the route I took last time of being sympathetic, um, that sort of didn't end very well. So let me put my foot down a bit this time. But then later like 10 minutes later or something you get rose literally convincing the doctor to go and see the tylers with her without even using words she just looks at him and does a sort of i don't know pouty thing and he's like okay fine we can go like i love that i love that they know each other well enough that 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 is a thing that works um the other character bit that works really well in these episodes is mickey um and mickey's storyline is it's very poignant poignant and his his goodbye at the end did actually have me crying um so it works very very well um 
I love the line at the start of the uh, first episode where Mickey says to the Doctor, you can only chase after one of us and it's never going to be me uh, when him and Rose are both, you know, giving in to temptation to go and see family members in the parallel universe. Um, but the, other than the fact that that quote is lovely and poetic and and, and stuff, like, it really... It, it put it puts forward what the sort of like through line for him is in this in these two episodes. It's it's Mickey choosing to forge his own path and realizing that like actually he deserves more than being the gooseberry. Um there's a really nice moment um with Mickey and Ricky later on. Firstly the fact that Mickey decides to go and help Ricky with, I don't know, whatever mini-mission they'd given themselves for defeating the Cybermen, um, rather than going with the Doctor and Rose, like, the fact that he made that, makes that choice to go, actually, you know what, my skills are going to be better over here, I, I want to go this way, I don't want to run after Rose and the Doctor this time, um, but there's a really nice moment when, like, he gets, I don't know, like, some kind of validation from his parallel self. I've got to be honest, like, I, I just wrote that down in my in my notes. I can't actually remember what the, what the validation was, mainly because it was followed extremely quickly by Ricky dying, which I'd forgotten that happened quite so soon. Um, and side note, that must be really traumatising, like, seeing your someone not just someone who looks like you but like your actual parallel self the you you would have been if the world was a little bit different or if you'd made some slightly different choices that must be very traumatizing seeing them die right in front of you um but yeah the mickey making his own choices not following after rose and the doctor anymore it's a really fitting it's a really fitting end for him. I know it's not the end of him being in Doctor Who. I know he comes back, but it is him choosing to sort of, yeah, forge his own path. Um, the, yeah, the last scene with him when uh, him, him and Jake are, are talking about what they're going to do next and Mickey's like, do you think they've got a, do you think they've got a Cyberman factory in Paris? Yeah, probably. Cool. Let's go liberate Paris. Just great line. It's very much a sort of like sailing off into the sunset thing, I suppose. Um, it'll be interesting to see, because um, obviously I like Mickey, I know he comes back, but it'll be interesting to see, I can't remember whether like him coming back whether it does mute the impact of of that sailing off into the sunset scene my instinct says no because i think i would remember if it if, if if that was the case but um that'll be an interesting thing to keep in mind um those were the main topics i wanted to talk about um quick note 
this this episode is obviously it's a complete coincidence that the uh that the cybermen are there because they are in a different parallel universe there is no way that the doctor could have caused that um so i won't say i, I won't go into much detail about that um but yeah thank you for listening um i have an email address for this podcast if anyone wants to get in touch ask any questions uh give any commentary i'd love to hear from you um the email address is helen talks who at gmail.com next time i will be watching the idiot's lantern um which is another one that doesn't typically make it on my favorite episodes uh list but um it's always interesting watching those and looking out for like the little moments that are good so yeah idiot's lantern next time plus it's a historical episode You know I love historical episodes. See ya.